Hey there, loyal listeners. It's your DM Paul here, and uh, you may have noticed that the start of this episode, even the name of it, is not episode 87. And I'm sure you're all going, well, wait, where's our next episode? Well, to tell you the truth, uh, we recorded nearly three hours of raw footage when we recorded episode 87, so I'm still working on that. Yeah, it, it's it's just not going to be done in time. Um, it won't even be done in time for one of our late postings. So one of the things that I've been promising our patrons for a couple months now is the beginning of a series, a little mini-series of our test episodes. So when we finished our last campaign, the campaign that we had been running for about two years with Brad Renfro, Ben Renfro, Brad Richards, and Matt Smith, we were starting to think about what our podcast might look like. So we did some practice recordings and uh, got into the groove of things, started to figure out how it would sound. And that wound up being what we called the PHB podcast. Now, the PHB podcast only had recordings for the last few sessions of that campaign. When we originally recorded them, it was just for us, so it was... we. It didn't matter if um, people that were listening didn't know the backstory, because we did. But uh, when we realized, hey, these might be things that our listeners, and especially our patrons, might want to hear, then we went back and we recorded a recap and just kind of a sit-down conversation to go over everything that had happened in the campaign up to the first recording of that old campaign. So that is what this episode is. This is a bonus track that is being made available to all of our listeners because we are having some uh, internal shuffles. We're taking on new responsibilities as hosts. We are having um, new responsibilities outside of the podcast now that everything's opening up again. So we're trying to find that balance again. But most importantly, we want to get back into the groove of getting you content bi-weekly. So we are posting this one recap episode for all of our listeners to hear and enjoy. We really hope you do. If you do enjoy it, then the next nine episodes of this 10-episode miniseries will be posted exclusively on patreon.com slash deathsavingbros and available to our $10 tier or higher patrons. We highly recommend that you go check it out, if not only because of this miniseries, but also because there's a nice backlog of bloopers and conversational recaps and also... Uh, the beginnings of our lore series, which goes into the backstories of each of our characters from the main podcast. So there's a ton of stuff up there for you. We hope you go check it out, much like uh, our current patrons who uh, deserve a shout-out right now. These are patrons at the $10 tier or higher. Ryan Cushman, Two Times Tyler, Gene L. Jackson, Andrew Bettles, and a vaguely concerned emu. They have been huge supporters of the show so far, and their financial support helps make this show possible. We love having them there, and we would love to see all of you, all of you other listeners out there, uh, come join us at patreon.com slash deathsavingbros. Otherwise, we really hope that you enjoy and appreciate this uh, preview into what our campaign was like before we started the Death Saving Bros podcast. And uh, we will see you in a couple weeks with episode 87. Without further ado, join us as a bunch of men locked in another man's basement, roll dice to find treasure, slay dragons, and record all their shenanigans along the way. You'll pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. This is PHP Podcast. Welcome to the PHB Podcast Test Episodes. 
I am your dungeon master, Paul Camper, and with me tonight I have Ben Renfro. What's the difference between a casual dress party and pirates having sex? One, you come as you are. The other, you are as you come. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Matt Smith. What do you call a half-orc with two brain cells? Oh, I know this one. Pregnant. We've used that one have before, we? yes. <laughs> Definitely well, it's have. still applicable as always. <laughs> Brad Renfro. Yeah, my friend David had his ID stolen recently. Now he's just Dave. Mm. Pretty sure we've used that, that one too. I haven't heard no, that, that one before. No, that one's new. Are you sure? And Brad Richards. I just want to take a second and just point out <laughs> something here. Going back to what Ben said um, about the whole pirates and the and the semen thing. Um, why? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go <laughs> to find that? There's so many things no wrong with No shot me. did There's you so... think of that while you're sitting anywhere. There's... You're like, you know what? <laughs> Pirates, when they ejaculate, definitely yell R. There's just so many things wrong with me. But I just want to know what possessed A, somebody to think of that, but B, somebody to put that on the internet. <laughs> don't know but and why did you find it i find a lot of stuff that i don't know why i should ever find it yar he be coming around my stern <laughs> I just ah oh, we better turn the report side i just have questions <laughs> i have no intro just a lot of questions well be rich uh you have lots of questions about ben's intro I'm sure that our listeners are going to have lots of questions before they get into the meat of these test episodes. Because... <gasps> I'm sorry, I dry heaved from that segue. Yeah, I'll give you meat, all right. <laughs> because, like all legends, there is more to this test episode series than meets the eye. The PHB podcast test episodes actually begin as our heroes, played by uh, my fellow hosts, near the end of their journey... So what we are going to do in this first episode is we as a group are going to take you back to the very beginning of the campaign and uh, review and recap everything that went on up until the point where episode, I guess, episode one of the actual campaign that you're going to hear takes place. We will introduce you to the characters White Jesus, who is a dragonborn barbarian played by... Who's he played by? By Brad Richards, who you just heard. Oh. Oh, uh, Gary Longshaft, who, a halfling ranger, who was played by... Ben? Who's he played by? Yeah, who, 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 who was he played by? What was his last name? Paul. Gary Longshaft, who was he played by? By Ben Renfro. I'm trying to... Oh, I thought it was Joe. Associate, associate names here. Or voices. And... Thalor Axe, a dwarf paladin played by... Who? <laughs> got fucking owls in here. Who? <laughs> Those three characters will be the ones that you follow in the test episodes, and their story began in the city of Neverwinter, though the heroic band looked slightly different when the campaign first started. White Jesus and Gary Longshaft were accompanied by a tiefling wizard named Tim the Enchanter played by... That's what be me. Who? Joe. Brad. <laughs> Renfro. The other one. Ben. Dover. Dover. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Really happy to be Candace. here. <laughs> and a gnome warlock who called himself Cockblock McGee, played by Matt Smith. Who? Who? No, who played uh, Thalorak? No, who's on first? When? No, Wins he in played, the outfield. Uh, no, uh, tomorrow's pitching or tomorrow's catching? Yeah, today tomorrow's pitching, pitching to today. Yeah, okay. Yeah, today pitching to tomorrow. Today's pitching to tomorrow. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Today's pitching to tomorrow. Where's Joe at? 
Anyways, no one knows. This merry band, through stealth, cunning, and well-rolled dice, successfully rid the Sword Coast of the drow mage known as the Black Spider and restored the lost Fandelver mines to prosperous production. Uh, to those of you... Okay, <laughs> this one's real. Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, I remember this. Didn't he was... have a staff with a spider oh, on yeah, it? Oh, yeah, no, I had a staff that could shoot webs out of it. I could web no, up people. It was his. We got it from him. Yeah. After we murdered him. Yeah. Was this before I was involved? No. Remember Over you there. were playing cl- Cock Block McGee at that point? For that guy? Yeah. Yeah. This was the very beginning of when we started playing. This was... Um, I mean, I wasn't there for a couple episodes. Well, we ran the Lost Mine of... This was like the first fan. couple sessions. Okay, I probably wasn't there then. I, I think wasn't I, there. I showed you... up around like episode like... Or session like three or four? No, but we... Before we got into any of this, we ran the, lo- the that Lost Mine of... What is it? Fandelver? Oh, Fandelver? What is it? Yeah, we Fandelver. ran the, uh, the starter kit for... D&D. What the fuck was that other kid's name? We had a Boris. Be- Zach. Zach. He was only here for one. Uh, he was only here for one. And we had Nick and Sumner and Box. Box. <laughs> ah. Bedraki. Pat showed up once. Yeah, Pat showed up. We had Chris for a, Chris for a while. We, we had Pat. Jenny for. Oh, Jenny once, didn't she? Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she was. Oh fuck! I think Jasmine one played one time. No, she fell asleep, and then you played her character for her. <laughs> she made an effort. <laughs> yeah, she sat down. Probably better than. <laughs> were you like, yeah, you're gonna come play? She goes, I don't want to. And they're like, no, you're gonna play. And then she sat down, passed out, and you're like, all right, well, she's gonna do this. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like glad she's snoring. Yeah. So th- that that first period when we went through the lost mines of Fandelver. Um, we had a lot of different people joining us. We were trying to find the right group, and somehow you managed to successfully finish that campaign, and under the guidance of Gundren Rockseeker, the mines became a lucrative source of magical weapons for the region. Oh, I remember Gundren. Oh, okay. Gundren Cockseeker. Rockseeker. Cockseeker. I remember that. I don't remember what he did. I just remember his name. Yeah, I think I came in like right when Gundren Cockseeker was sending them on some other errand. Okay. Well, what he had them do, well, Gundren wound up becoming close friends with our adventurers, and together they profited from the mine, and our adventurers, using the spoils of their success, purchased a brothel in Neverwinter and named it the Salty Clam. Oh, I remember that. They became respectable businessmen as well as renowned adventurers. Yeah. No, I remember this. <laughs> Don't forget to mention the gift shop. <laughs> We're not there yet. Not yet. <laughs> I think I actually have it written down. Um, their fame spread, and soon they were invited to the home of elven playboy and rich noble Aaron Softwood for a grand party. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember this one. This is what <laughs> I remember. I remember Softwood. Bonus action. I chuckle. chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know, it was a trap. Aaron Softwood was actually leader of the Zentarim, a group set on reshaping the Lord's Alliance of Northern Cities and the entirety of the Sword Coast to fit their ideas for the future. Uh, Softwood's party guests were drugged and taken hostage, and it was only through great skill and a little luck that our heroes were able to escape but not before noticing an occult ritual that opened a portal to the demon realm. It was a precursor to a much darker ritual that would eventually summon the Manticore. Oh, yes. I remember this goddamn thing because I felt like I saw it twice and then I realized I did because I watched season one of Harmon Quest, you (laughs) bastard. (laughs) It was was really good. Uh, It was a really good storyline. It was really good, and you definitely changed a lot of the boring shit and made it better. I'm glad that remember, you thought so. Well, I remember after the campaign, because you're like, yeah, this was loosely based off Harm Request, so I like watched it, I was like, yeah, loosely my ass. <laughs> I was like, yes, at your one ass point, is loose. I was like, at one point, this is word for word, you sack of shit. And then like, they got the boring parts, they're like, oh, yeah, this is different, we did it better, but yeah, you know, you don't have a production or... No, yeah. At the time, we were just doing it to have fun, so it really didn't matter. 
Oh no, that's what I'm saying. It was fun. I had a yeah. good time. Um, and also when you saw that ritual, that was actually when Ben's character Gary Longshaft was taken, disappeared. No, he went to college. Yeah, because he got <laughs> <laughs> Gary went to get educated. Ben went off to college, so he Nerd. left until the summer. And I went to community college. <laughs> Stayed here for the group. That's why I went. We're so happy that you did. Because we were able to keep playing the campaign. And uh, you wound up... Caring. <laughs> you wound up going through a bunch of different adventures on the way to stop uh-huh. Lord Softwood and uh, the Zentarim. You needed to locate some gems, basically that would prevent them from performing the ritual that would summon the manticore. But along the way, you were betrayed by a member of the Lord's Alliance named Lord Andry. Uh, then when you were there, uh, Brad, your character, wound up trying to cast Fireball. Oh, god damn it. That's right, you blew the fucking boat up. You got me killed, you son of a bitch. On a natural 20. Yeah. 20, as in max damage to our and, boat. And no, the boat was killed with a lightning bolt because I got the, uh, like, witches, like the stick from a tree or some crap that I needed to cast it. And I was super excited. I'm like, I'm going to aim it for, you know, anything other over, than at water. These, over at <laughs> these enemies, you know, like the water by the enemies there because I wanted to try to, you know, electrocute everyone or do some sort of, like, you know, realistic type effect. And I rolled a natural 20. I was super pumped. And Ball's like, your boat explodes. I'm like, that is the opposite of what's supposed to happen here. Where you were trying to do realistic stuff mm-hmm. in a game that mm-hmm. has half works and dragging I mean, people and people I mean, if you sh- if you shoot water with electricity, it's going to electrocute everything that's in the water. It, it'll be a multiple enemy thing. Yes. If everyone's in water, you use electricity. It's super effective. In Pokemon, yeah. even. It also was effective against your boat. But Our boat was made of wood. It was super effective. You also have to consider that I was a new DM, and uh, sometimes I did things to mess with you, even when I shouldn't. Sometimes Paul was just like, get naturally 20 of this dick. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, now we really know where all the uh, nuts dragging on your face came from. That's payback for all of the... Uh, Killed me, you sack of no, shit. No, actually, I'm not even done. And then we were doing some <laughs> other shit, like we're like going into a cave, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna light like torches or something to give us light. And I rolled like, you know, they were like assembled like around, like you know, stationed up there. I'm, like, I'm gonna shoot something, and I rolled another natural twenty on just like a fire bolt, and pulls like, oh, the whole cave collapses, and you're stuck in there. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, that one, that one, I specifically said that the there were cracks everywhere, and that the um, the structure was unsound. And then you cast a fireball and it wound up causing the structure to collapse. A natural 20. It's supposed to do exactly what I wanted to do. Did you tell us the structure was unsound or was it like fire, fireballs getting casted and you're like, oh no, the structure, no, don't. No, stop. I told you ahead of time, but that was, that was when Lord Andrew betrayed you. As and far as telling me ahead of time, I was also, a. Uh... You were a new DM, but I was a new player, and I had not realized the appropriate amount of alcohol to consume per uh, per episode here. <laughs> we also played till like four in the fucking morning. Yeah, we we had a, we had a, like it was half a day committed to these things. Yeah, our we used to play for four hours at a time. Those were the days. We used to dick off and then go get on scooters and bicycles and skateboard and play Pokemon Go and then come back and play D&D and then... Can we just, like, do that one weekend? I don't see why not. He's like, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Damn, I'm not trying to be a fucking athlete anymore. Well, okay. And once you realize that your body's broken... <laughs> it's getting fucking close. <laughs> I feel like shit today. I was gonna say, these days are coming up sooner than you think, everyone. But, okay, let's keep going. Where were we at here? So after that, after that collapse, um, you wound up venturing through the Underdark, and um, what's that? The Underdark. Yeah. So that's the network of tunnels underneath Faerun. Wait a minute. You're telling me the Underdark is underneath? You're shitting me. Like from Hollow Knight. I've never played Hollow Knight. The whole bottom section of the map is the Underdark. 
Paul. I'd like to see your Underdark. <laughs> I want to see under your Underdark. <laughs> but it's real, real dark down there. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good segue, and I don't have one. Uh, mm. So you eventually came out of the Underdark, and do you remember that you... Um, so because of your adventures in the Lost Minds of Fandelver, you wound up fighting the dragon cultists as part of that adventure. And those cultists were still around. You wound up fighting them off and you befriended a dragon. Yeah. With all of the things that were going on, you couldn't manage to get a hold of all of the gems. They were stolen away from you. Uh, but in the end, you were able to track down Aaron Softwood to the ancient fortress of Kars. That was where he planned on summoning the Manticore in the spot where Karsus, the mightiest magician to ever walk the lands of Faerun, had been struck down by the goddess of magic, Mistra. And then again by us. And then there was a sudden... I remember his, his ritual was just suddenly very metal, out of nowhere, very uncharacteristic for Paul. He was just like, yeah, they're lining random townsfolk up and just slitting their throats like, <laughs> one after the other and their blood is just pooling and going into this giant pentagram and we're like god damn that's pretty metal and I'm pretty sure we just stood there and watched it happen until it was done and then yeah like I know the manticore was summoned but we didn't quite like beat him we just like unsummoned him with like another like spell like they used in full metal alchemist yeah, then we we set up another pentagram and we were just like, we, yeah, we push him. Yeah, we push beat him. his ass push into him. And then Ben's like, oh yeah, I'm going to school. So we're like, all right, Gary's dunning rings. <laughs> he goes in the portal too. Yeah. Dickhead. So you wound up showing up too late to stop the ritual. The blood of hundreds was spilled. Um, <laughs> Thousands. Damn. The manticore showed up. Softwood didn't understand the power that he was summoning, and the Manticore killed him outright. Oh, and then yeah. you guys tracked down the Manticore, made another pentagram, and used those gems to send the Manticore back to the Demon Realm. But at too high a price, Gary and his wolf companion... Uh, you remember your wolf? Hard shaft. Hard shaft. Yeah. And the uh, dragon. And the dragon all got banished to the Demon Realm. Shadow Realm. Shadow Realm. Okay. <laughs> no, it was the Demon Realm, but Shadow Realm's from Yu-Gi-Oh. And more appropriate. <laughs> so then White Jesus Cockblock and Tim the Enchanter were determined to retrieve their friends, but a rescue would have to wait, for the Zentrim had heard of Aaron Softwood's defeat, and they were furious. They'd aligned themselves with the Dragon Cult, and their forces of men and dragons were gathering to march on Neverwinter, the seat of power along the Sword Coast, and end the Lord's Alliance once and for all. White Jesus Cockblock and Tim sought help from the fellow Lords of the Alliance. Through extensive negotiations, they convinced Lord Uruvin, leader of the Elves of Silvery Moon, and Lord Oric Newhaven of the ancestral Dwarven home in Mithril Hall, to come to the aid of Neverwinter. Do you remember, um, do you guys remember the joke about Mithril Hall? Mithril balls. <laughs> no, Got I you. have no idea. No. I remember going to Silvery Moon. You don't remember the, like, mile-high beer luge? Oh, uh, yeah. It was just like, it was built into the side of their city or something. <laughs> yeah. I remember the leader was a dickhead. Or was that Silvery Moon? That was Lord Urvin. I thought most of the leaders are dickheads. Yeah. I remember Paul plays most of the leaders. <laughs> <laughs> what was that joke again about Mithril Hall? I had to get up. They had a giant beer bong built into their city wall. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Right around college time for Ben. <laughs> I wasn't here for that, so I don't Nerd. recall. We had college on the mind. I just got... If you just left for college, that means I like just got back. I don't know. 2016? Yeah. So, after you had convinced leaders of the neighboring kingdoms, or city-states, to come to your aid, a mightier battle had never been fought in over a millennia. The Zentrum marched with four grown dragons as they begun their assault on the walls of Neverwinter. Our heroes fought as the dragons descended, 
fearing for their lives, but soon finding a ray of hope when they discovered that the dragons fought only under the mind control of dragon cultists. White and they Jesus... found out that White Jesus can jump from dragon to dragon. <laughs> yeah, White Jesus, brave and brash, mounted the first freed dragon and sought to free the others. Uh, he quickly turned the tide of the battle as he fought atop three dragons he had freed, one blue, one red, and one gold. I remember that, because the dragons like, dude, trust me, was like, not entirely, and just fucking chucked me off his fucking back. <laughs> no. That's how I remember it. No, you were trying to convince, you managed to free the dragons, and then they were like, oh, well, I'm fucking out of here, you know? I'm not sticking around to get my mind controlled again. So they took off, but you ran up, got on the back of one of the dragons, and then you were trying to convince it to come back and aid you in your fight. And it was like, I don't trust you. Why would I come help you? And you said, all right, I, like, I trust you. I trust that you'll help me. And to, he said, how can I, like, prove that you trust me or whatever? And so then you said, all right, and you... Just throw me to another dragon. <laughs> no, you, you just said, catch me. And you just jumped off the dragon's back. And then the dragon came and saved you. Oh, see, I remember that completely different. See, I didn't think White Jesus was this much of a badass. <laughs> <laughs> it makes Ambionitis look like a fucking puss. Are you kidding me? Ambionitis is cool and all, but White <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was, was uh, a gangster. <laughs> was, a, was a motherfucking pimp. <laughs> he was the Ravenger. He had so many cooler abilities. He did so much more rather than just walk up and hit shit and kick That's doors. That's pretty much what he did. <laughs> he was like, yeah, but he did it in like much a much cooler fashion. Yeah, because he could either be a fucking T Rex or a demon. He was like Snoop Dogg, basically. He completed the game. He was just doing side quests. Yeah, pretty fucking. Dude, I could turn into a T Rex. <laughs> well, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I'm sorry, I couldn't turn into a T-Rex. I didn't know you were leaping from dragon to dragon. If we tried, if Ambi and I just tried to do that, it would... <laughs> yeah, good luck. You can't <laughs> even get on a dragon. <laughs> no. Unless it's Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> or Chadley, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so with the so erect. So with the persuasion and uh, actions of White Jesus, he helped turn the tide of the battle and the Zentarim were defeated. Our heroes became known by all as the heroes of Neverwinter. During that battle, didn't we sneak out behind <laughs> the enemy lines through a secret tunnel we had built into our brothel? <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> brothel was like the uh, the center button on Batman's uh, utility belt. Whenever we needed it to have something, it just, you know. Oh, yeah. It's always had that. <laughs> We've it's always been that. there. We built that tunnel twice. There's two tunnels. Yeah, every every time you talked about the brothel, you added something else. Like, oh, we're gonna go in the back in that secret closet that we added in, and we're gonna find replacement swords. Oh, and a machine gun. There's always been a gift shop. Yeah, the gift shop was there from the beginning. Yeah, we never said what was in the gift shop. Clam juice, like keychains and shit. Like, <laughs> I don't think the gift shop was added on until after this battle and that's when you were like oh man you know now we're the heroes of neverwinter we've got even more money let's build a gift shop yeah because it was the addition yeah so i mean you're right but there's always been a gift shop home of the world famous secret tunnel <laughs> oh yeah with the lord's alliance saved and the remaining zentrum agents scattered to the wind uh you guys built a gift shop white jesus tim and cockblock then sought a way to retrieve gary from the demon realm they visited the library of Silvery Moon, but the tomes they needed could only be found in Candlekeep, a library fortress at the southern end of the Sword Coast. Yes, I do remember this. Question. Yes. When did we build Shelley's? That was, uh... Is that the next? Yeah, it was the regular Yeah, that's show. our current campaign. Oh, really? So yeah. Shelley's still exists. Okay, cool. It's under Dosh's management now. Oh, Shelley's. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, what the fuck did you just say to me? Candlekeep. Yeah. So you needed to travel by boat in order to save time. And while you were traveling, you passed an area of the coast known as the Warlock's Crypt. And as you passed by there, you were attacked by a flock of marrow. Marrow are merfolk corrupted by dark magic. The attack was swift 
and strong, and they claimed the life of white Jesus. That was also the same episode that Tim the Enchanter got like aquatic adaptations and was super cool. Yes, that's true. And you were dive you were like you were on. I the was boat. a merfolk. <laughs> you were on the boat, then you were in the water, like to save people that had been pulled off the boat. And then as soon as you got them back up on the boat, then you had to dive back in the water because somebody else would was getting grabbed. Yeah, like I couldn't use anything for anything cool. They're like, nobody else can swim. I'm like, son of a bitch. Was Gary back that episode? No, you're not back yet. You're still in the demon realm. Are you sure? I feel like I remember like no, hearing I, that kind of stuff. I like, feel like he was here. Because there was like some weeks I would come home from college and... Uh, Just listen thoughtfully at the top of the no, stairs while would, we play. No, <laughs> but, well, <laughs> Just kind of, yeah, sat around the corner weeping that I wasn't able to record with you guys. No, but... Who was the fucking four? There was... There was Michael I mean, Oxmall. Oh, yeah. No, but there was definitely, like, weeks I would come home and, like, we would find a way for me to play. I don't know if it was, like, with Gary or without Gary or what was going on, but, like, I don't know. Like, a lot of this is sounding familiar to me. Yeah, you definitely came in and played as different characters, but I don't think... I mean, Gary was technically still in the demon realm. I feel like Ben was, like, a crew member or something. I feel like he was here when I died. You know, it would have been really cool if I would have, like, known that we were going to do this. I could have brought my notebook that I still have all the notes from this campaign in. Because, like, the way I wrote shit Yeah, back no when sense. you did actually take notes. I still take notes. Oh, do you? Mental notes. <laughs> I yeah. had some notes from that one. I, I just, just have no idea where they're at. It's like an etched sketch. Shake like a dog. Shook me like a dog. But anyways, I, mean, I just feel like, you know... I don't even know if I actually like ever caught up with you guys after I got back about, hey, what all has been going on? Like, I haven't heard any of these details, or at least I didn't pay attention when Paul talked about them, because whoever talk- pays attention. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyways, it seems like you're jumping from dragons, you're doing all this cool stuff. Uh, Tim he blows up boats, blows up boats, runs like in water and does all this weird well, stuff. Like everybody seemed end. to do cool stuff. Did Gary, when he came back, did he have cool stuff to talk about? Yeah, he by, was paranoid. By the end, Tim could manipulate time itself. Yeah, crazy. Tim learned like every like he, like he never he's like the only character that never technically died. He just kind of like was never heard from again. Like because he, he was able to come back in the later episode because of that. I don't think Gary died. No. Your wolf got smoked by a fucking boulder. Oh my goodness. Well, we're yeah. going to get there. We're going to get there. That's cool. So Blended right Paul. now, let's that was get like, back no, to... That was the first week I, that was like the first week <laughs> I officially came back, I feel like. <laughs> and crush your spirit. It Thanks like for leaving us. unnecessary. <laughs> He's like, yeah, Paul's just like, oh yeah. There was no, your no reason to kill it. Not a single <laughs> let's, one. Let's, let's wait to... <laughs> we'll revisit that. Uh, for now, we're with the death of white Jesus. Um, but Tim the Enchanter and Cockblock would not let the Dragonborn go that easily into the night. That affected me less than the death of Hardshaft. <laughs> they put into port at Baldur's Gate and took the body of White Jesus to the first temple they could find. There, clerics restored his life, but at a cost. For theirs was the Temple of Bahal, the god of murder. They'd seen in White Jesus the ability to end lives And Tim knew that we could bring him there and have them put Bahal in his Bahut. <laughs> and this is where our campaign moved from ripping off Harmon Quest to ripping off Baldur's Gate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I, I think for some reason I was like, we gotta save him. I didn't... Beerich was like, I don't care if I play like a new character or not. We're like, yeah, we'll save him. And then you came back and I had like Ravenger powers, but we always made fun of you because you had a demon seed in your rectum. Right. Um, the clerics of Bahal had seen that White Jesus liked to kill things and rage and you know he just could go ham on on some people so because of this they bestowed him with the essence of their god White Jesus gained strength and abilities no mortal could hope to wield including the ravager state but his lust for blood grew still he remembered that his friend was trapped in the demon realm so they all carried on to Candlekeep figuring they would figure out whatever the hell was going on with the uh, demon seed that had been placed inside of him. And uh, when they reached Candlekeep, they sought access but were informed there was a toll. A toll in the form of literature unique to the library. They had to come with something that the library did not already have. 
They were also informed that if they could not think of any unique literature on their own, the librarians would be very grateful to obtain a tome from within the Warlock's Crypt. Loath to return to that area after a party member had almost just died, but seeing no other option, our heroes strolled into the Warlock's Crypt. They managed to avoid all manner of evil beasts that resided there, making it into the towers of the twisted, abandoned city. They came to realize the city wasn't a crypt at all, but the home of Larlock, the most powerful lich ever in existence. Oh yeah, Larlock the Warlock. Yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> Didn't we fight a fucking Grick or some shit? Is that when Jenny played with us? And she was Vondel uh, Frontbottom yeah. or some shit? <laughs> and her character was like weirdly overpowered? <laughs> well, yeah, the Grick was, was like dog. way back when we were doing the Mines of Fandelver. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's like probably like did one of the fight? first or second things we did in that campaign. Did we fight two of them? It was the one Jenny was with us. I feel like, like she was the one. Oh, trolls fucked us up, but that Grick was fucking us up. The first or the second one, because Jenny was like, "Well, what if we try magical items?" And we're like, "Oh yeah!" <laughs> and then we started kicking its ass. And then I some... think no, I think that's the first one we fought. Is like it? on the first or second time we ever sat down to play. Jenny's been more involved with this podcast than we have come to realize. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when the trolls happened, but yeah, there was a moment when you guys were. Going in between all of the cities, I think. I think the trolls was when the, the, the trolls boat was, was blown up. Yeah, it was right around where the boat was blown up because they was on, they were on the other side of the river. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm. So that was early on too. <laughs> well, then someone got a grit cape. Who got the fucking grit cape? I think I had the grit cape. That was cockblock. Yeah, because you had a pimp cane and the uh, grit yeah. cape. That was way later than like the second. Oh, I know that the Lost Minds has like a grit and like one of the. First things you accomplish, like right when you get to the cave? No, it's before the cave even, I think. No, it's after the cave. So you you get ambushed by goblins, then you track down the goblins to their cave, then they tell you about their hideout, and then you go to the hideout, and that's where the Grick is. Mm. And the cave probably alone took us an episode or time sitting down or two. I mean... Which was four hours. Yeah, I mean, it was probably in a fourth or fifth time sitting down then, maybe. That we came up to the Grick. Mm-hmm. I thought it was way later. But now we're, that was way back then. Now we're way far in. I think this is like year two now that we're talking about. Year two of this This campaign. is like when Jenny like was with us and she just sat down, but she wasn't like playing. She was sitting in the back shit talking us the whole time. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> but were you here for that? Where Jenny was just shit talking everybody? Yeah, because like. So that was Jenny, when we were recording the actual campaign. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because yeah. Jenny, like, yeah, she sat down. Yeah, and it was, was like, like a somewhat recent one. Yeah, that was yeah. like just a few months ago, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Because we were having a, a DP pause. H. Yeah, a Disney Power Hour for <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but do you, do you guys remember what happened with Larlock? Where did you come up with that name, Paul? Larlock, Larlock the Warlock. Baldur's Gate. Uh, His familiar is Lumpkin the Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> no, Larlock is in um, is in D and D canon. Mm. He's a know, real was, person. Wasn't he like based off like the Lich from Adventure Time or something? No. Okay, then I have no idea what happened with the Larlock Warlock. He uh, didn't he send us to another plane of existence? Um, sort of. So. He defeated you in seconds, but he wasn't angry. He was intrigued by your histories and by your boldness. So he bestowed upon you a tome that would grant you access to Candlekeep, and then he bestowed upon you a series of visions. You remember those? I remember Candlekeep. So I was here for something of that. Vaguely. Remember some floating magic cities and what's-his-face being a dick and taking away the magic and yeah, doing some bullshit and killing some goddess. Carsis and, and Larlock yeah. got into it and they murked the fucking Lady of Magic or some bullshit, yeah. wasn't it? They got mad. Right. So the visions laid bare a tale of ingenuity and greed. As a young man, Larlock had helped build the realm of Netheril a series of floating cities that were the centers of trade, knowledge, and magic. One of his peers was Karsus. Uh, so the cities had been founded on knowledge derived from two sets of scrolls, 
one of gold and one of silver. The scrolls imparted complete understanding of the magical weave and how to manipulate that fabric. The golden scrolls were lost by the elves of Comanthir, while the silver scrolls were stolen and then lost in the east somewhere near the Sea of Fallen Stars. Larlock knew that he would never achieve complete mastery of the magical weave, but Karsus wanted more. He spent his life devising a spell that would siphon the power of the goddess Mistra unto himself. But when he cast the spell, only then did he know he wasn't ready to wield, let alone understand, such immense power. Only with her dying breath was Mistra able to end the spell. Her action saved the world from dying, but it also caused the magic holding aloft the cities of Netheril to fail. The floating cities crashed to the earth, and Karsus remained bound to the bedrock of his home. Only if the blood of hundreds was spilled at his feet would he be released. And do you guys know where the blood of hundreds was spilled? At his feet! Exactly. <laughs> um, so, unbeknownst to Aaron Softwood and all of you guys at the time, uh, that blood of hundreds was spilled at Kars, where Karsus had been uh, imprisoned, basically. So, once that manticore ritual took place, it actually also released Karsus. That makes sense, because wasn't he the fucking skull that flew by us? Yes, so, um, during our play, and we didn't talk about it in this recap, but right after you guys arrived at the ritual, and then the manticore was summoned, and Aaron Softwood was killed, the manticore took off, and you guys were like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do now? Like, we failed thing's gone we can't stop it and um all of a sudden there was this skeletal figure that just appeared out of nowhere behind you and was like use the gems and then you didn't think anything of it you just went oh yeah we could use the gems to teleport to where we need to go (laughs) paul railroading us in the right direction yeah and uh you didn't question it at all you were just like huh that's weird and you went on with your with your lives (laughs) (laughs) that sounds about right And before you got to the ritual, you had to go through some magical forest and you wound up encountering a unicorn that had told you not to let the ritual happen because otherwise, like, a great evil will be restored to this world, something like that. So I just want you to know that even though, you know, you're joking, oh, we went from ripping off Harmon Quest to ripping off Baldur's Gate, I already had in in mind this big elaborate plot with... Uh, Karsus. You're already planning to rip off Baldur's Gate? <laughs> no, I only... So, right from the beginning. No, so Baldur's Gate only happened because um, when White Jesus died, I was like, oh my gosh, this was not supposed to be a deadly encounter. And then I had to frantically search... <laughs> <laughs> I had to frantically search for any god that might be in Baldur's Gate. And, of course, when you Google Baldur's Gate gods... The first thing that comes up is Bahal, because Baldur's Gate is a video game based on the god Bahal. So that's where that came from, and I just drew bits and pieces from that to pepper into the grander homebrewed campaign that I had in mind with Karsus and Larlock and all of that stuff. Just so you know. From the beginning... <laughs> So you're just telling us that we haven't played or seen what you ripped the third stage off of? Uh, no, that one... Well, it's still more of Baldur's Gate, because it ended up being centered around getting all the pieces of Bahal in one. Or the Infinity Stones. Um, we will, uh, keep going with the recap, and then, uh, it'll become clear how Baldur's Gate kind of wound up fitting in. So, only once our heroes who were enticed by the idea of reading the scrolls themselves encountered Karsus at the last known location of the gold scrolls in Cormanthir, did you realize that he had been resurrected and that it was Aaron Softwood's blood ritual that had resurrected him and freed him. Karsus told you, the adventurers, that the gold scrolls were gone. Ever since he'd regained his freedom, he had been searching for them and he was convinced that they had vanished but perhaps the Silver Scrolls still existed, and he tasked you, our heroes, with finding them. The city of Westgate was the best place to start looking. As the eastern center of trade, 
both legal and illegal, for over a millennia, hopefully they would find some rumor or legend about the Silver Scrolls. But instead of information, you wound up finding trouble. Attempting to assist the citizens of the city, you assassinated a corrupt noble only to find out that you'd been framed by the Fire Knives Assassin Guild. Thanks, Delta. We're going to frame you for murder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so then, Brad, do you remember what happened when you were in Westgate after that? We blew it up. He's talking to you, bud. No, I'm talking to you. I said Brad, not Be Rich. <laughs> I hate that. No, I don't. We blew it up. We blew it up. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, White Jesus and Tim uh, arranged an agreement with the city's underguild for protection and information regarding the scrolls in exchange for years of binding service. Yeah, fuck yeah, brother. Low bones. And by binding service, <laughs> me, we mean you are going to bind your mouth to their anuses. <laughs> Too bad I was dead. <laughs> so we all know where Tim went after our adventures. Oh, Tim. Suck some ass. <laughs> <laughs> Because Brad was getting ready to be deployed, um, he wound up entering into this agreement. Oh, yeah. And that gave us a reason to have him have his character just kind of disappear at any given point in the campaign. The Underguild could basically just call in a favor and like, hey, we need you. So at that point, Tim would just disappear. And uh, right. And then he did. Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> But thanks to the deal that you guys struck, the Underguild was able to determine that the Silver Scrolls had been forged into a sword, specifically the Coronation Sword for the Kingdom of Cormir. The only problem was that the only time the Coronation Sword ever existed on the Material Plane was during a coronation ceremony. So he had to kill the king. Exactly. You hatched a crazy plan to assassinate the old king in order to force a coronation of the Crown Prince. It succeeded, which only left the task of infiltrating the castle and retrieving the sword. Now, I definitely feel like I was here for the whole coronation shit. Yes. Okay, um, so say what happened. Actually, I guess I didn't specifically state it, but um, right after getting into Candlekeep, you got the information to access the Demon Realm. Tim transported you all to the Demon Realm. You fetched Gary, and he came back. So Gary has been with us all throughout... Uh, ever since they started the search for the scrolls. Gonna say, that all sounded familiar. And I, I was getting, like, mind-fucked by demons, right? No, just regular fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you and uh, the dragon wound up becoming badasses. Yeah, you right. wanted to, like, but... you came back and was like, hey, me and this dragon have, like, a telepathic bond, and we're, like, super cool now because we've been through the same shit. And oh, we're like, I, all right, cool. I definitely <laughs> named the dragon. Yeah, I can't remember what the name of the dragon is. Something shaft. Well, yeah, everything had shaft. It was Gary Longshaft <laughs> riding a hard shaft, wielding a quarter shaft. Glass shaft. Yeah, he had glass shaft and spider shaft. Was it gold um, shaft? Dragon um, shaft. Golden shaft. Maybe. Maybe not. Anyways. I think it was um, gold shaft because I think it was a gold dragon. That's awesome. Uh, that's bad. <laughs> but there was definitely something that when I came back... Yeah, you were uh, schizophrenic. I, we we were yeah, we were recording, but or no, we were sitting down, and you had pulled me to the other side of the basement to tell me like, <laughs> <laughs> to tell me like, hey, there's a chance that you are too unstable, so like you're gonna roll if I tell you to roll randomly because you've been being like demon fucked for so long that like there's a chance I'm just gonna like snap on everybody. Yeah. Like, there there was some sort of thing that we worked in where it was like... Yeah, you came back... You spent so much time in the demon realm that you're not okay. You didn't trust anybody. You had PTSD. Yeah, and I didn't trust a single soul in yeah. our group. And, uh... Yeah. For whatever it was, like, we talked it up like it was gonna be this big prevalent thing that was gonna be, like, around, and then, like, there was, like, one or two instances where I was like, yeah, I don't trust you. <laughs> like, it was very mild. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's because that would involve us to remember and then also uh, act that part out, which uh, we all know that uh, we don't do. Yeah, I think after a while, just for the sake of moving things forward, because at first you wound up playing it very, very heavily, and then um, to move the things forward, you <laughs> eventually just kind of recovered. 
Yeah, you ass. <laughs> well, we walk in, you're like, hey, you're not going to trust anyone. Because, like, I think you hi- had me roll a D100. And, like, the higher the number, like, the more trust I would have. Or, like, the lower the number, like, that's where I would fall on this scale of how much I trust everybody or not. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to play the part of. And I think I rolled, like, a 15. And you were like, okay, well, you're really not going to trust people. And I was like, okay. So I walked in. Everybody's like, Gary, how you been? Nice catching up with you. Let's go do this. And I was like, eh, no, I don't want to with you. <laughs> like a scissor me, you fucks. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't trying to like overplay the part. I was just trying to play the part of everybody just wanted to pick things back up. Like, okay, now Gary's back. Let's keep moving. <laughs> and Gary's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't notice you were gone. <laughs> I think I think we definitely had it for a few sessions, but I mean, a few sessions is like eight hours of play, you know, eight, 12 hours of play. So after a while, we just kind of like let it go, um, which is good because then you had to wind up working to kill the king and and uh, infiltrate the ceremony, the, the coronation ceremony. Do you remember this is where we get into uh, some of your guys's favorite moments? You guys remember how you got in? So the coronation ceremony wasn't, uh... Was there a lot of transformation involved? No, it was just the one where somebody made somebody, like, make it look like they peed their pants or, like, pissed their trousers. No, that was in the regular the campaign. That was, like, no. the, the costume party. Ah. Uh, so this one was... You entered an underground labyrinth, and, uh, there were traps all over the place. No, that's where you fucking killed my wolf. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Gary's wolf companion was not so lucky. Wasn't it smacked by a boulder into a bottomless pit? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it went all the way down. <laughs> Technically, it still could be. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh yeah. Oh, that was horrible. How did? But there was like there was like a ledge or something that Gary was able to jump on. And Gary, like, jumped on it successfully. And then you're like, okay. And the wolf was, like, gonna, like, I don't know. I was using any loophole I could to try to, like, grab onto the wolf. And you're like, nope. It just gets <laughs> fucking rocked. <laughs> Literally. By a boulder. That's because, um, so that, that session was actually one of, that was one of my favorite sessions, too. Um, <laughs> not, not because your wolf died, but just because Ass. of the mechanics of how things operated. Asshat. Exclusively because your wolf died. We sat down, we had we had an hour where we kind of like talked about what the infiltration plan was and you were working with, um, I can't remember who you were working with, the Underguild agents or something like that. And then I said, okay, you have three hours before the coronation takes place. And then I put a three hour timer up on the TV so you could see how much time there was, and then you had to actually go through the labyrinth, the underground labyrinth that was a escape route for the king. You had to use that to break in and then get to the coronation ceremony, and you had, in real time, three hours to get it done. So it was like the rest of our session. And so when you got to the traps, I then said, okay, you have 10 seconds or the boulder is coming at you and you have 10 seconds before it will knock you off the edge. And I literally counted down 10, 9, and then you came up with the idea to grab a python out of your pack, shove it in the lead, or like over the ledge and then just hang there as the boulder went off into the bottomless pit over you. But you didn't say that you were going to grab hard shaft. And so hard shaft was still in the way of the boulder when time ran out, and that's why he died. Yeah, ironically, one of your favorite episodes was one of my least favorite episodes. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I guess I... You just caught me really off guard that day, I think. <laughs> After that, the, the campaign was meaningless. But I learned a little more about, like, life that day, playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> the cruel camper giveth, and the cruel camper taketh away. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I am sorry that, you know, Hardshaft didn't no, make you're it. Not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. I am. You know, I, I didn't expect you to react that poorly. You were really, really saddened by it. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think you'd care if I killed your companion. 
literally my I, I think that I think that the companion was mentioned more in the campaign than anything else by Gary. I think he mentioned that dog more in like real life even than <laughs> I mean I honestly so you triggered that boulder and that boulder was meant to kill you. Oh yeah, didn't you know it's your fault? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who put the boulder there. You wound up figuring out a way out of it, which was fantastic. I was so happy for you, but, you know, consequences. So, once you got out of the labyrinth and you went up into the castle, but do you remember what happened in the castle? Unfortunate young maids and their meetings with white Jesus. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't. I turned an eight-year-old into a puddle. So, yeah, if we're, I'm not sure how much we mentioned about uh, White Jesus' new powers <laughs> upon being resurrected, but one of them was he turns into some horrible demon monster, like devil trigger version. A ginormous demon, and just hit and hit, and every successful hit, I kept hitting until I didn't hit. <laughs> like literally I would go until I didn't hit and I'm like alright well you're done for this turn try again next turn and then I added like 19 to every roll and like 16 to every damage and you just Anakin Skywalker to a group of children no there was just one <laughs> so there was there was a bunch she of got whack-a-mold straight <laughs> into the ground <laughs> there was a bunch of doors we were going trying to find whatever so I said alright and and white Jesus also we can't be seen. Yeah, white, <laughs> white Jesus also had a thing for kicking doors down. Naturally, you had a boot for every door. Correct. So I said, "All right, well, we're gonna kick this door down and assault whoever's on the other side." Well, I kicked it down, rolled for contact, and it was a natural twenty, which is the magic number to turn into the Ravenger. So I turned into the Ravenger. And I mauled the shit out of this individual, and then Paul's like, yeah, it was an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> I did, like, 60-something damage. Turned it into a fucking puddle. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you just splattered an eight-year-old girl all over the walls. And then the other maid came in. I think we had to get her, too. <laughs> We're like, well, shit, she's gonna tell someone that the walls are now a new color. <laughs> So we sicked you on her as well. Everybody was getting. I think the there business. was a thing with the the Ravenger too, where like you would stay in that mode until oh, you like yeah. tuckered yourself until out. I didn't hit. So, so we would always something. just like have a spell on hand, just yeah. like yeah, we're gonna cast this on you, and or just we would just like close the door, and <laughs> let you just wait, <laughs> let you do your thing, and then come back. There was the one time we like crossed a bridge, and there was a door on the other side, and we like. You walked through first, and you rolled a 20 on something, and you, like, turned to the Ravenger, and me and Matt were just there. We're just like, we're going to close the door and stay on this side for a minute. And <laughs> wait until the screaming stops. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, after you murdered that maid, then you... Maid. Um, you, you, went, you went on to find the coronation ceremony room, and along the way, you actually encountered the crown prince and you spoke face to face i don't remember i think you were in disguise david mustache is on <laughs> <laughs> and then uh so you were hiding in wait and then the coronation sword appeared all of you guys and this was so cool because it literally worked out that you made it to the coronation room and you were set up and squared away and like you had all of your actions ready for when it popped up like the second that the timer ran out, which was the coolest thing of all. And um, the coronation sword appeared. You all went to go grab it, and I think it was Cockblock, Matt's character, who stepped forward to grab it, and just as he was about to close his hand on it, because they had you had filled the room with smoke or something like that, the crown prince stepped forward and his disguise, his the magical disguise that he had went away and you realized that it was actually Karsus disguised as the crown prince and he took the coronation sword, aka the silver scrolls, with the ability to control all magic and he disappeared. I do remember that. 
I would like to add at this point that even though it was explicitly told to us from those flashbacks that Karsis was not a good dude, I completely forgot when we spoke to, to Karsis that he was basically the main villain. <laughs> and I think we were o- overly friendly and forthcoming with him <laughs> about certain things. Well, didn't we realize that it, the crown prince wasn't really the crown prince? Like he was giving off like signals that like are he's acting really weird. Yeah, he was giving off weird vibes and we didn't do anything about it. Because I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's definitely weird. Like, he's like, huh? And we just like, you know, business as usual. Because right, I remember saying, I was like, that was odd. Like, something's definitely wrong. And then we just... Ignored it. Completely ignored it. <laughs> that's exactly what happened with Revan. That's eh, fine. <laughs> Gets his throat slit. Got his fucking head and lopped off. So then after Karsis got a hold of the scrolls, um, knowing that Karsis had tried to steal Mistra's magic, uh, you had never actually intended to hand over the coronation sword to Karsis. Um, but now that he had it, you were on the clock. It would take five months for Karsis to finish deciphering the scrolls, and in that time, you needed to figure out a way to face off against the most powerful wizard of all time. So you went back to Larlock the only creature old enough to know Karsis and the only one powerful enough to defeat him. The Lich said he wouldn't stop Karsis, but he gave White Jesus information regarding the godly essence that had restored his life. And this is where Baldur's Gate comes in. Bahal had imparted his essence to 13 offspring called the Bahal Spawn, so that if he should ever perish, his power would live on. By combining the essence of all 13 Bahal Spawn within one body, one might ascend the throne of Bahal. You guys and uh, White Jesus decided that this was the best chance at gaining enough power to defeat Karsis. Larlock said that he would help get you started, so he plane shifted all of you outside of Candlekeep, just as a character named Abdel, who turned out to be a Bahal spawn, was leaving Candlekeep under cover of night. He was accompanied by a protector named Melisan. Both of them were headed to Amkathron to see Balthazar, a man who could help free Bahal Spawn from their curse. But before you all arrived in Amkathron, Tim was summoned away by the Westgate Underguild to perform the years of service to which he'd bound himself. Only for short times would he be able to return to the group. So after narrowly surviving an encounter with a rock giant on the way to Amkathron, Cockblock McGee decided he was tired of adventuring and left for the comforts of Neverwinter and the Salty Clam. <laughs> He literally just was like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you had decided that you were done playing that character and were just like, peace. Because <laughs> you flipped us out, off on horseback. <laughs> just all the way down the mountain. I remember that too. He, he turned around in the saddle and just flicked you guys <laughs> off. Two big old <laughs> fingers all the way down that mountain pass. That was awesome. And then Thalor Axe, the dwarf paladin who had been raised by Ents, quickly took the place of <laughs> Cockblock McGee. Dude, it took me, like, five <laughs> sessions to realize that was a Lorax. Oh, right. man. Yeah, so that, that was actually Jenny's idea. <laughs> I remember, I was like, they Lorax, what a name. And then you're like, yeah, speak for the trees. I was like, yeah, because he was minute, like, I've heard that somewhere. He was like, an oh, ina- I just <laughs> now got it. <laughs> he was like a nature paladin. <laughs> Christ. It's the Lorak. And he had like very tan, almost orange skin yeah. and bright yellow hair. <laughs> oh my God. Big bushy mustache. Yeah, I remember that. I never put that together for like five <laughs> I, or so. I just now, today, the second did. <laughs> that is four years later. Yes. That's depressing. <laughs> this is why we go over things, folks. <laughs> you, you're, you're still in my phone as the. They Lorax. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. So now with the uh, new makeup of our group, White Jesus, Gary, and Thalor, uh, together with Melisan and Abdel, you visited Balthazar in Amkathron. You found out that he headed a monastery in the city and promised to look after Abdel. He also gave White Jesus the name of Yagashura, a fire giant and another Bahal spawn. Yagashura proved to be too much of a match for White Jesus. Do you remember that session, Beerich? I remember I remember a fire giant and I remember going after a lot of the Bahal spawn and I also remember like towards the end where like I had like eight or something. You're like, oh, you found a guy with like 
I have a hall spawn in them. You're like, how convenient. <laughs> Remember the, the first time we tried fighting uh, a fire giant guy? We were just wailing the shit out of him, and then you're just like, oh yeah, you didn't do any damage. Oh yeah, because like, was he magical or some shit? Yeah, some, some bullshit where his, his heart was... Oh, that's right. Separate. Yeah. From his body. Because I was like, oh, this is fucking Davy Jones. Yeah, the fire giant Yagashura was immune to all damage because of a spell on his heart. Only his mother, Nihali, could undo the spell. So, yeah, you guys went looking for Nihali in the Wheeldath Forest. And once you had located her home, because Nihali was absolute bonkers, she told you where to find her son's stronghold and where to find his heart. And so, with that, we have recapped all the way up to the first episode of the test episodes. You listeners, if you're ready, come and join us on our journey. This is our campaign, and this is PHB Podcast. Some of the sounds and background music in this production are copyright material. The songs, Andale Has a Little Secret, Helgis Dur, Kuskin Market Extended Cut, Leaf Hollow Extended Cut, Night Sky Extended Cut, Seven Stars of Arcus, and Viraline Instrumental are copyright Will Savino and the Music D20 Project. These tracks are used with permission, all rights reserved. The songs, Dark Gifts and Dazzling Gifts, are by Arcane Anthems at patreon.com slash arcane anthems and licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License 4.0. The Death Saving Bros theme song is an abridged version of the song Run by Kai Angle and sourced from the Free Music Archive. This track is used with permission under Creative Commons Attribution License 4.0. You can read the full license at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 slash legal code.